Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. If you have questions about our church or following Jesus, feel free to reach out to us at info at theplantchurch.org. Now, here's today's message. As we're wrapping up this series on sanctification, um, we want to talk about what it means to be a sanctified community. Not just sanctified individuals, but a sanctified community. So we've, we've talked uh, about what it means when we say sanctification, that we are becoming like God, that we are holy, we're set apart from our old nature, that j- through Jesus we have been made new. We are no longer known as uh, being people that are marred by sin, but we are people that are created new. We are holy, and we are set apart towards Jesus. Sanctification, sanctif- uh, being sanctified, comes from the Latin word sanctus, which means holy. So we're being made holy. And, and so today we're going to talk about what it means to be a sanctified uh, community. I think one of the challenges for uh, being a new church, yeah, we, there's like financial goals of sustainability, but someone said this to me once, like maybe like six months ago. They, someone said to me like, man, I just like realized like what, what we're doing here is we're bringing, bringing together a bunch of people who don't know each other at all, and we're asking them to be like community and and do life together and 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 like get this idea that Jesus is drawing us together. That's hard. Like most of the people you didn't know before you walked in here for the first time, right? Whether that's today or six months ago or two years ago. And and this month is actually four years since we launched this campus originally. This month will be four years. Isn't that amazing? We've survived a global pandemic. It's incredible. Uh, most of the people who helped start this church are actually no longer with us. They, they felt like they were here for a season and they needed to move on, and that's okay. And God's continued to bring people that are saying, this is where God's calling me to be. And, and so when we talk about growing the church, being sustainable as a church, being able to support what God's doing in West Milford. Uh, there are so many different aspects to talk about, but I think one that we really need to, that's gonna drive everything else is as we learn how to be not just sanctified, holy individuals, but we learn how to be a sanctified community. So, so that's just the picture and the frame of reference I want us to have in mind as we close out our series that we've been in on sanctification. Um, In 1999, uh, NASA was planning on sending this Mars orbiter up, and they they launched it, and and it was headed out there. This was a joint effort between NASA, and they contracted some things to Lockheed Martin, and uh, when they they got the, the probe is there, the orbiter, and it's, it's ready to be released from the rocket to start orbiting Mars, and they release the rocket, and the orbiter starts going off its calculated trajectory of where it needed to be, and it got too close to Mars, and so the orbiter couldn't function properly. I think it eventually crashed. It was a complete breakdown, a complete failure, and when they went back to start going, like, how did we get this so wrong? What they realized was the NASA team that was working on one part of the project was operating in the metric system, and the Lockheed Martin team was using the English standard system, like feet and inches. 
$125 million loss just because they were not using the same measuring stick. They were not measuring their standard by the same thing. And it was a $125 million loss. Because they were not unified in how they measured what they were doing, they suffered catastrophic loss. You can maybe see where I'm going with this. If we as individuals in a highly individualistic society uh, are measuring our sanctification process to Jesus in terms of just us, it will be a costly mistake for us as a church. Are you with me? Are you following me? Things won't add up. We'll miss the trajectory. We'll miss what God's trying to do because ultimately God... This, don't take this the wrong way, but like God has a personal interest in you, but ultimately God's not just like interested in you for you to do your own thing. You hear what I'm saying? God wants to bring you and I and all of us in this room to be together as a community built up into a holy people that represent him to the world. God never intended for your witness to be primarily or just about you going out and telling people about Jesus on your own. That's good. God never just intended for you to individually uh, serve in the community and do something. Absolutely, you should do that. That's good. But what God says over and over again in Scripture is that he uses a people to show how to live differently in the world. He uses a people as a witness. I love uh, what the theologian Stanley Harawas says. The first job of the church is to be the church. And it lets the world know that they're the world. Now that's not a we're better than you statement. It's a we're living our lives in such a way as, a, as this kind of alternative society, if you think about it that way. People relate to each other differently in the church. Think about the calls to forgiveness, forgiving one another, loving one another. We went through that one another series in the fall. You remember that? Like this is not how people in the world function. Like if you hurt me, I'll never trust you again. If you Make too many mistakes, I'm not going to ever work with you again. Yet in the church, obviously, there's like wise boundaries with this. Like we're, we're not advocating people go back to people who have caused serious harm to them and stuff like that. But, but in general, like we're making space to forgive people and provide second, third, fourth chances. Yeah? How many of you need a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, twentieth? chance. Is that how you do it at your workplace? Is that, is that how you do it in, in school systems? Is that how you do it in corporate America? Is that how you, no. Is that how you do it with your, your neighbors, your family? Some of us have uh, family scripts, for example, that uh, if, if you don't go to college or you don't enter a certain profession, you're cut off from the family. If you change religions, you're cut off from the family. If you uh, do those like unspoken rules, you're cut off from the family. These are scripts in, in families and in neighborhoods and in cultures and in societies. If you don't do it the way we're supposed to do it, enough. We're not talking anymore. And, and this is not the way the church functions. Thank God, right? 
Now it's like really hard because we're bringing all that old ways and patterns of doing things into this community. And like, I'm just supposed to like, I don't even know this person I'm sitting across from here or next to. And I'm supposed to do things completely differently with them. Oh no, I'm doubling down on the old way now. Like, I really don't know you. You guys feel what I'm saying? You with me? Okay. So, so this is kind of the challenge and the problem. But, but if we're trying to like these NASA engineers, these are some of the most brilliant people in the world. I can't believe this actually happened. These NASA engineers, these Lockheed Martin engineers are getting paid so much money to do an, an incredibly good job. And they're building and they're headed towards their vision and their goal of building this orbiter. And they're on two completely different wavelengths. How much more difficult would it be for us with not two variables, but how many people are in the room right now? About 50-ish? Like 50 different variables. What do we do then? And this is the call to a sanctified community. The good news here is that Jesus is the standard by which we are built. Jesus is the same standard for everyone. Jesus is the one who is actively building you and I into his church and into his people. And so I want to read some scripture from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, and just talk about how Jesus is building us up together, not as individuals, but into one sanctified, holy people. Paul writes this to the church in Ephesus. He says, Now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give us a vision this morning for what it means to not be built up into a holy individual, but into a holy people. I pray, Lord, that as much as this is countercultural for us in so many ways, that you would help us see what life could be like in this kind of holy community. And I pray that you would let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be holy and pleasing unto you, Lord. In your name, amen. So we have this call to be not just holy individuals, but a holy people. And, and Paul writes to this church that if you're going to be sanctified, holy, set apart, it's not just going to be one at a time over on your own. It's going to be all together. And so, so Paul demonstrates and lays out a few different ways in which we experience this new kind of reality as a holy people. When we become sanctified as a holy people, we become a new family we become a resting place, and we gain a new vision. And so I just want to talk about these three ideas briefly with you this morning as we close out this time understanding God's sanctification work in us. So 
First, Paul demonstrates that because we're becoming a sanctified people, we are now a new family. We're now a new family. He starts off this letter and says, or this part of the letter and says, you Gentiles, now you Gentiles. This is a reminder to them of their old old self. The Gentiles in the scriptures, everyone else except for the Jews, basically. Gentiles is a word that just means nations. It's all the ethnicities, all of the cultures, all of the languages, tribes, tongues, everything of the whole world. Right? And this is who the Gentiles are. And these are all people who have been separated from God. They're far from God. This is every one of us. If you're looking for a place in Scripture, and there's many, where Jesus or, or someone in the Bible is talking about you specifically, you can look right here. You Gentiles. The ones, you know, in all of the scriptures that are talked about as being far from God, as being idolaters, as being sinful, as being unclean, as being people you can't associate with if you're part of the holy people of of the Jews, of, of Israel. If you're not part of that holy people, you're a Gentile, you're outsider, you're foreigner, you're over there. And now all of these people that were formerly out there, maybe too far for God, thinking maybe they're not good enough for God, are suddenly set are faced with these words from Paul where he says now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners you're no longer on the outside looking in you're no longer the unclean the unholy you're no longer the unwanted you're no longer over there you're in here Now, you Gentiles, you're no longer strangers and foreigners. What are you? Instead, you're citizens. You're citizens. What does it mean to be a citizen? Think about the rights you have as a citizen. You're citizens. You belong here. You're not a stranger and a foreigner. You're a citizen. You're a member of God's family. You're part of this holy people now. You're not one of those on the outside. This is for you now. You see, what's happening here, remember we talked the first week about who the God is that initiates sanctification. This holy God, Father, Son, and Spirit, the loving unity within the Trinity, right, that's been extended to us and we're being invited into. And Jesus says that we're going to come, the whole, the whole of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, the divine holy presence is living in you now. God is saying that this, this God being in us, it leads us into this holy, loving life where now we're almost like we're representing the Trinity in the sense of we're just like God, Father, Son, and Spirit are in loving, mutual submission to each other. We're brought into this new family that resembles God's own nature where we begin to extend this kind of love and mutual submission to each other. We're not part of the foreigners we're not strangers we're not gentiles we are god's family members there's perks in being in the family there's perks in being in the family i I want you to see how closely god's family is connected to holiness to be in god's family is to be part of a holy people 
It's not holy because you've done something right. It's not holy so you can say, look at how good I am compared to you. It is holy because God is there. God is here. It's a holy people because of God's presence, not because of something you and I did. We can't do this individually is what Paul's saying. This is about a citizenship, a a people, a family, a connected network. None of you are individuals in this work. Do you know, even, we, we can't pursue our holiness individually. It must always have a familial element, a community element. A, a, our holiness is not just in here. Do you know, it's demonstrated in our relationships with those around us. I feel like I need to say that again. Our holiness is not just in here or in here, or how I behave personally and morally. Our holiness is demonstrated in our relationships and how we relate to those around us. Think about it, even monks, we think about monks, like, oh, monks must be pretty holy. Even monks live in community. They're not totally separated out from everyone else. Even monks, God's ultimate plan for your fulfillment isn't just to be in a quiet corner of holiness for yourself. I know some of you introverts like, are like, hate this, but this doesn't mean you need to become an extrovert, hear me. But what it means is, is we're not in this holy thing over here by ourselves. We are holy amongst a people, with a people in these relationships. Are you following me? And so God in a sanctifying a community means we are a part of a new family. What does this mean for us? It means that we deal with the effects of our old families that we all come from and we allow God to transform them, form them, sanctify them into the new family. We, we do things like some of you have gone through emotionally healthy relationships. You know what I'm talking about when I say uh, we, we do things like clarify our expectations with each other. Hey, when you say this, here's what I'm understanding is going to happen. Do you agree to that? Instead of coming in, how come you didn't read my mind and know what I needed done? We all make those mistakes. Checking out assumptions, very similar to that. Not assuming you know what someone's thinking, but actually ask, here's what I think you might be thinking about me right now. Is that true? A lot of times we'll be like, what? No. But how many times do we just assume, oh my gosh, they're probably thinking and this and this and we have a whole argument with them in our head which we always win everyone does this you're not you're not alone so many people do this but all that is is we need to check out our assumptions clarify our expectations you won't win as many arguments but you'll actually be living in holy relationships and by the way if you win an argument in your head it's not a real argument you didn't win We need to learn how to express our emotions honestly to each other without uh, railing them with uh, lashing out and retribution. We need to be able to speak vulnerably to each other. And on the flip side of that, we need to learn how to listen well and really hear what people are saying to us. These are all things that we need to do well if we're in, in a holy family. Now, my family and your family, you probably didn't grow up doing that a whole lot. Some of you maybe to some extent, but, but all of us are dealing with emotional dysfunction that we carry in from our families of origin. And in the new family of Jesus, yeah, we're a family, but not quite in the way you related to your old family. Does that make sense? 
there's an unlearning of the things that we have been doing for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years. And we're invited into a holy way of relating to each other where we honor the other person and love them down to those little details of not assuming what they're thinking. So we're becoming a holy family. We're not only becoming a holy family, Paul says that we are, be- we are becoming a resting place. When we become a sanctified people, we are a people that is a resting place. He says that together we are his house. We're a dwelling place for God. We're becoming a holy temple, Paul says. This is a a bit of temple theology that's dropped into this passage. If you're familiar with the Old Testament at all, at one point in Israel's history, they had a temple. And, And temples in the ancient Near Eastern world were understood to be a place where heaven, the 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 unseen spiritual powers and earth, the seen kind of natural reality. Temples were places where those two realities overlapped and God could be with people and people could be with God. This was all across the ancient ancient Near Eastern world, Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia, you know, Babylonia in ancient Israel, Egypt, all these different places. This is how they understood temples to work. You know, this is actually what, if you think about it, this is what Eden was. It was a place where God and humans were together in this space. It was like an ancient temple. And a lot of biblical scholars have pointed to the reasons why that's what Eden was depicting. It's the space where God can be with people and people can be with God. It became a resting place for the very presence of God to be tangibly felt, to be visibly there, to be among people, to change people, to lead people, to guide the people. And part of what sin did, what we've been talking about with this sanctification series, is we were separated from that and we've needed to be transformed. And so we've seen on an individual level how we have the spirit of the living God dwelling in us, right? What Jesus said in John 14 that we looked at the first week of this, that the very presence, the holy presence of God, if you are following Jesus, is living in you. You are holy because God is living in you and he is holy. But now we're seeing that that's not just an individual reality. Paul's saying that we are a temple. We are a space where God meets with people and people meet with God. We become, not the building, I want to be very clear about that. It's not the building, it's not when you're in this space as opposed to another space. You could be gathered around your dining room table with other believers. You there as the church are a place together where God meets with people and people meet with God. What could happen if you turned your dining room into a temple? A resting place of God's presence. What kind of your friends that come in that might not be comfortable coming in here, but you're there with a couple other believers and you're inviting them into those spaces, what could happen as you allow God's presence to be in that space? Doesn't mean someone's gonna get up and start playing guitar and leading worship and and, uh, someone's gonna preach this long message that never ends. Uh, It's not, that's not what we're talking about. This is a form and these are forms and tools that we use in this kind of setting. But the point, we try and get it every week. We pointed at it a little earlier during worship. It's about God's presence being with us and among us, yes? And he could be just as present around your dining room table at a coffee shop, hanging out at a bar with some friends. He could be there too. He could be in the grocery store. He could be anywhere. Where you are gathered, this is why Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. 
And this is why Paul says this isn't about a building, it's about a people. We are gathered together to become the resting place, the temple of God, and we're being built up into this new thing. Imagine just, I remember being with some friends once, a couple of other Christians from, from a church that I was uh, attending, and we were, we were just at a street fair once. And we started talking with this woman. Uh, just, we were not talking about anything religious, anything spiritual, anything about Christianity or God. And she's just like, she just like, at one point in the conversation, just started asking all of these spiritual questions. She's like, I feel like you guys are from another planet. It is so different talking to you. And we just thought this was so bizarre. And, and one of us, it wasn't me, honestly. One of us just was so bold to say, I think you're sensing the presence of God. At a street fair. But hear me, I want you to see this wasn't, yes, this absolutely can happen in one-on-one encounters, but I want you to notice this peculiarity of how God shows up when the community of God is together in the community. One thing we love to ask our girls to do every night at dinner before we start eating is we don't just say we're gonna pray. We've, we've tried to frame it in language that works for them. And so we say, we're gonna pay attention to Jesus now. And we just try and give a few moments. It's moments, they're little. To just be attentive to Jesus before we eat the meal and then try and do our best to remain attentive to him and to each other and what he's doing around our table while we eat. Again, they're like two and five, so take it in context. But, but God can do so much more because we need to take on this reality that together as a community, this is why our life groups are so critical. This is why gathering with other believers is so critical because together you become the temple of the living God, a place for his presence to rest and be felt and experienced and for life change to happen. So when we become this family, we become the resting place of God. And finally, when, when we're a sanctified people, not only are we a new family and we're walking out this new way of relating in holiness to each other, not only are we a resting place of God where we can experience God's presence in, in the community and in and among other people or around our tables, uh, not only that, but when we are a sanctified community, we gain a new vision for life. A new vision for life. What do I mean by, by vision? Everyone has a vision for life. It might not be a very good vision, but you have a vision for life. Proverbs says that uh, without vision, the people perish. Some good wisdom. If you're part of any organization or anything, if you don't have a driving vision, a driving focus, a driving goal, everyone's just going to kind of This is what happened with NASA and Lockheed Martin. There was not a shared driving aim that they were all headed towards, all running towards. And for us as the church, the vision that we are all running toward must be the sanctifier himself, Jesus. The shared vision must be Jesus. The shared vision must be Jesus present with us now, that temple theology. Like it's not just like, yeah, Jesus did some stuff back then and I'm just gonna like, act in that way. There's this idea that Jesus laid this foundation 
And we put that down there, but we're really far removed from the foundation Jesus at this point. We're just standing on the shoulders of all these people. Anyone ever thought about that, that this, this that way? I've thought about it that way, especially when I read this, this very text that, that we're a house built on the foundation, right? But it doesn't say the foundation of Jesus. It's the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, all of the people in the church that have come before us that we're standing on the shoulders of. And it says here that Jesus is the chief cornerstone that that word that gets translated as cornerstone isn't like the cornerstone at the bottom of a building like we think of today it's a keystone in the top of an arch you you ever seen like those roman aqueducts and they have those big stone arches and what's happening these stones are getting built up and built up and they're moving closer towards their goal of creating this beautiful doorway this beautiful arch and they're being built up towards this one purpose putting this big keystone right in the top at the center and you know what happens if you pull that keystone out of those arches even today these these are still standing thousands of years you know what happens if you pull that keystone out the whole thing is going to collapse. Now, these archways were considered in, in Roman architecture and construction. This was part of the foundation. This was considered how the foundation worked. And, and so that keystone is exactly what Paul has in mind when he's saying this. He's saying that we are carefully joined together. Anyone have an architecture background, construction background? Anyone do any work like that? You, you know, engineering backgrounds. I know there's a couple of you in the room like that do things with, with tools and building. You know if you're building something, you need precise measurements. Everyone that's working on the project needs to have the shared vision, the shared measurements, the shared aim. And, and when we, for we as the church, Paul is saying, we're being built up as this beautiful structure, this beautiful temple to God, this beautiful people, and we're all aimed at this one thing, the sanctifier Jesus who holds us together, the one who keeps us now in this space that's currently the one building us up. We're not building ourselves up. He's building us up. We're growing into Christ. Paul says elsewhere that we're his body and we're growing up into the head that is Christ. We're coming into the fullness of who Jesus is. And so we need to have this one aim, this one vision, and it's Jesus. If we're going to be a church that's sustainable, we need one vision, not let's bring in enough money. Our vision needs to be Jesus. We can't let the vision be, let's have great programs for teenagers in the gym. The vision needs to be Jesus. We can't have the target be, let's make sure that we inundate the food pantry with more food and paper good items than they've ever seen before. Oh, that's great stuff, but the vision needs to be Jesus. We can't say, well, I want worship to be this way or I want prayer to be this way or why isn't this thing happening over here or we need this thing. They're all good things. None of these are bad things. I'm sure maybe some of them are kind of weird, but no, they're not bad things. I'm just joking. But the vision, you hear me, needs to be, all right, some of you are listening. That's great. But you, you hear me, like we, we need to have this shared thing, otherwise we've got a $125 million disaster on our hands. Not literally, that's not how much we've put into this place. But you get what I'm saying. Like, we, man, it could be so easy to think, well, I thought we were aiming at the same thing. We must focus on the one who is the author, the perfecter, the builder of our faith, the one who is building this holy people, the one who's building this sanctified community, this temple, the space where people meet with God and God meets with people. We must focus on Jesus.
And when we do that, his love that he demonstrates for God becomes the love we have for God. The love that Jesus demonstrates to people becomes our love towards people. This is who we're called to be and what we're called to do. When we are walking in sanctification and holiness, it is not an individual sanctification. It is a, a communal sanctification. We are all coming together, being knit together, built together perfectly into him who is that keystone holding us all together. And it is Jesus. As I said at the beginning, our, our church now this month will be four years old here at this campus. Four years. Global pandemic. Yeah, you can celebrate that. Some of you have been here since day one. Some of you have, this is your day one. Some of you, have, this is your day four. Day 400. Whatever it is. I want you to know that God just like it says, each, each stone is carefully placed. It's purposely built. God was so intentional to bring you into this community. This is not an accident that you're here. I know you might think, like, oh, I just showed up. No one told me to do this. Listen, uh, uh, we're not autonomous individuals as much as you think you are. God is deeply at work in your life. And God wants you here. Gathered to this people that is, tr is submitting ourselves to Jesus and being built up into his, his people. And, and over and over, over the last four years, I just kept having this word. Sometimes when I'm like feeling stressed or am I doing enough or are we doing enough or do, like, do, we, do we pick the right things to focus on? Because you can't focus on everything, right? You gotta have priorities. And, and over and over, the thing that I keep hearing from God for four years was this simple phrase, I will do it. I will do it. Not you do it, not you're doing it wrong, not get it together, guys. He keeps saying, I will do it. And then about six months ago, maybe a little less than that, I came across the, these, these guiding verses for this series in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 to 24, that we keep coming back to. And it just said this, may the God of peace make you holy in every way. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus comes again. And then he says this, God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. Another translation puts it this way. God is faithful and he will do it. It just hit me. This is what he's been saying for four years. He will do it. Yeah, the, the, the budget, the ministries that reach people be coming to saving faith, people coming out of the dysfunction and the pain and the brokenness of their lives. Yeah, that he's gonna do all that, but he is going to sanctify a holy people He's going to put his people in West Milford. A new family, a place for his presence to rest, to give them new vision of who Jesus is in the world. We're not gonna do it. He will do it. Because he who called all of you here 
whether you realize it or not, he's faithful. He's faithful. So may you be encouraged that you don't have to strive for this sanctification. You don't have to fear, am I being sanctified enough? He who called you is faithful. Thanks so much for joining us today. If this podcast has been helpful for you to know Jesus and make him known, then check out our website for more sermons and other resources, theplantchurch.org.